Good morning, everybody. You're tuning into the news at Morning Mixtape. It is Wednesday, July 5th, and I'm your host, Gabriela Silvaponte, reporting for CGRU 1280 AM in Toronto. First up, the five-month-long construction period at Broadview Avenue has started. Ontario's top doctor is linking tick-borne diseases to climate change. Internet blackouts in India are keeping Canadians from contacting their loved ones. An education assistant with an OnlyFans has been fired. And finally, the head of Canada's federal prison system is insisting proper protocols were followed prior to Paul Bernardo's prison move. And then, of course, what would be the newscast without some weather updates? So with all this news, let's get started. A trigger warning on today's segment as it will contain mentions of sexual assault. A five-month-long construction project started on Broadview Avenue this week. CBC News reports that the City of Toronto is working in partnership with the Toronto Transit Commission to replace streetcar tracks. They will also look to resurface the road and repair sidewalks between Girard Street East and Danforth Avenue. Sidewalks will remain open for pedestrians. Cars will still be able to travel northbound on one lane. All southbound traveling lanes will be closed for the duration of the project. Bus routes will be adjusted to accommodate the lack of space. The 504 King and 505 Dundas bus services were cancelled June 18th and will remain that way until November, CBC reports. The city said in a news release that sewage work will also be taking place. CBC reports the project is expected to cost $6.5 million. Director of Roadways Design and Construction with the City of Toronto, Mo Panu, said the project is taking place to reduce noise in the area and improve TTC service. Panu said, obviously this will bring a lot of challenges and we are hoping that we will have patients from our area residents, businesses, as well as the traveling public. Panu added that the city is implementing live video monitoring, message boards, traffic agents and paid police officers to minimize congestion in the area. Chief Medical Officer of Health Dr. Kieran Moore says the city should expect to see a rise in three tick-borne diseases. Those illnesses are in addition to Lyme disease and are known as anaplasmosis, babesiosis, and Powassan viruses. CBC reports a new regulation will make it mandatory for healthcare providers to report cases of these diseases to their local medical officers of health. In an interview with CBC, Moore said, We can now count and track when these illnesses are occurring, map it for a risk map, and be able to inform the public when these diseases become more prevalent. And he added, it's absolutely expected that we'll have a greater incidence over the next several years because this is a known wave of infections that we've seen migrate up the coastline of northeast North America and anticipate them affecting Ontarians. Moore said there's been a rise of Lyme disease infections over the past two decades as more and more ticks are able to survive winters. He said, it is simply from the ability of these ticks that are now able to survive our winters and stay and breed over their two-year life cycle. Moore said to prevent being affected by any of the aforementioned diseases, Ontarians spending time outdoors should use bug repellent, wear permethrin-treated clothing, and do a daily tick check. CBC reports anaplasmosis is caused when bacteria from a tick bite infects someone's bloodstream. It is known to cause fever and chills, possibly suppress bone marrow, and the creation of white and red blood cells and platelets. Babesiosis is similar to malaria in the sense that the virus's parasites will infect red blood cells and burst them. Individuals can present with anemia, fever, and chills. The Powassan virus is known to be asymptomatic but may cause fevers, headaches, nausea, vomiting, weakness, aches, and pains. 
Associate Chief Medical Officer of Health Dr. Michelle Murdy said that post-acute phase and remission, an infected person may experience confusion, loss of coordination, difficulty speaking, paralysis, seizures, or coma. CBC reports Powassan virus has no specific treatment, while anaplasmosis and babesiosis can be treated with antibiotics for symptomatic cases. India's eastern state of Manipur is facing a government-authorized internet blackout due to ethnic violence. CBC reports that so far it has lasted more than a month and has left diaspora communities in Canada with an inability to contact families back home. Due to high costs of international calling, internet is the only way some have to contact their loved ones. The government is calling the shutdown a method to maintain law and order in the area, but experts are saying it has become a default policing tactic for Indian authorities. According to internet advocacy watchdog Access Now, India has been at the top of the yearly count of internet shutdowns across the world for five straight years. The High Commission of India in Ottawa told CBC in a statement that, as a responsible government of the largest democracy in the world, we take actions to maintain law and order which are fully compliant with the sovereign Indian legal framework. Many believe Manipur will soon experience a civil war due to ethnic clashes between the Kukis and the Meite. The violence between the two communities has led to 400 wounded and 100 dead. A Maple Ridge education assistant has been fired over her second job, where she posted racy content online and on OnlyFans. CBC reports Kristen McDonald had been posting photos and videos under the name Ava James on the website known for custom pornography. She was an education assistant at Terry Fox Secondary in Port Coquitlam since 2015 and took up the second job because she was struggling to make ends meet. McDonald said being an education assistant only earned her $1,000 every two weeks after deductions. She also said that while at school on duty, she performed the requirements of her job and had never been the subject of complaints from students. School District 43 ordered her to shut down her adult content on social media in April. As of June 16th, she did not and was fired. The termination letter alleges she posted content that, quote, involves the sexualization of the school environment. CBC reports the letter also claims McDonald played down the district in media interviews, linked her education assistant and adult performance work through those interviews, and capitalized on the connection between being a school employee and adult performer via her OnlyFans subscription offerings. McDonald said she suspects a TikTok video of her in a schoolgirl outfit may have been what the district was most angered by. She said, I feel like they're making connections to, you know, me defaming the education system by wearing this outfit. It's so far-fetched to me, it seems very petty. McDonald is part of the Canadian Union of Public Employees 561. She said she and QP have put in for a grievance. McDonald says she doesn't regret speaking out because there needs to be less stigma surrounding sex work and more attention given to the low-pay education assistants receive. She said, I feel strongly that in this day and age, we should be able to do what we want as long as it's not illegal. I'm not hurting anybody. The head of Canada's federal prison system wrote to Public Safety Canada officials insisting the appropriate notification protocols were followed in Paul Bernardo's move to a medium security prison. CBC reports emails show Correctional Service of Canada Commissioner Anne Kelly wrote to Public Safety Canada's Deputy Minister Sean Tupper and Associate Deputy Minister Tricia Gates in May. I had said I would confirm the transfer with you. It will occur next week. She told the Federal Public Safety Department, Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino's office, the Privy Council office, and the Prime Minister's office, quote, have been advised, and that, quote, we have media lines ready. 
Bernardo is serving a life sentence for kidnapping, torturing, and murdering two girls in the early 1990s. He was also convicted of manslaughter and has admitted to sexually assaulting 14 other women. He was serving his sentence at a maximum security prison, but was transferred to medium security earlier this year. This has angered many across the nation. When news of this broke on June 2nd, Mendicino described the transfer on social media as an, quote, independent decision by the Correctional Service and called it, quote, shocking and incomprehensible. Emails show Kelly wrote directly to Mendicino on the afternoon of Sunday, June 4th, saying, Hello, Minister. Saw your tweet. I remain available to meet with you. Mendicino responded within 10 minutes, saying, Yes, we'll coordinate a call. CBC reports in a brief statement, Mendicino spokesman said his office made Kelly's agency aware of the minister's tweet prior to its posting. Since the transfer, the Correctional Service said it first told Mendicino's office about the possibility of a transfer in early March and then again in late May after the date for the move had been set. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau was briefed on May 29th, the very day the transfer took place. The emails show Kelly wrote to Tupper and Gaitis to clarify whether or not Mendoncino's office was advised of the prisoner's transfer on June 6th. She wrote, I understand from my staff that someone at the Public Safety Department said the minister had not been notified. We have a notification process in place, as you know, and we certainly followed it. CBC reports Mendoncino has since acknowledged his staff made a mistake in not informing him, but denies that it was done on purpose. Okay, that concludes the news section. The weather for Toronto calls for a mainly sunny day with a high of 31 and a low of 20 degrees. It is time to wrap up today's newscast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Happy Wednesday, everyone. I'll be back next week with some more news at Morning Mixtape. It's CJRU 1280 AM in Toronto. I'm Gabriela Silva-Ponte. Thanks for listening.